You are listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast where I interview writers of mysteries, thrillers, and suspense books. I am your host, Alan Peterson, and this is episode number 119. In this episode of the podcast, we'll be meeting Dan Paravona, who is the best-selling author of the Dark Water Cove Psychological Thriller series. His latest book in that series, Don't Breathe, will be published on October 29th. It's available for pre-order right now. Highly recommend you go check that out. Really enjoy his stuff. I'm a big fan of serial killer thrillers, so highly recommend uh, you check uh, Dan's uh, books out. Dan was uh, born and raised in Cortland, New York, which is not far from the Finger Lakes region. He lives in upstate New York there with his family. And he's a meteorologist with the United States government and published his first novel in the horror genre uh, back in 2014. So during this interview, we talked about uh, writing serial killer and psychological thrillers, horror, all while working full-time as a meteorologist and still finding time to write, publish, and market his books. Really enjoyed uh, talking to Dan about his writing process, uh, his books, and a whole lot more. Uh, So check out my interview with uh, Dan Uh, First, a quick reminder, please uh, check out my website at thrillerauthors.com. You'll be able to access uh, my other interviews there, as well as the uh, show notes and resources for this interview. And uh, please do uh, take a moment to rate and review this uh, podcast, uh, wherever it is you're listening to it, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, wherever it is you're listening to this uh, or you subscribe. Uh, by rating and reviewing this podcast, uh, it uh, it boosts the algorithms of those directories and helps uh, other people find the podcast. So I really would appreciate that. All right. Uh, here's my interview with uh, Dan Paravona. How are you doing this morning, uh, Dan? Great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, well, I guess it's afternoon already. <laughs> I'm losing track of time. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's all right. Yeah, the sun's out. It's all good. I'm so fascinated with your background because I've never met a meteorologist. So can you tell us how you go from being a meteorologist to writing thrillers? As many people tell me, it, it's it's the perfect job because I get to be wrong 90% of the time and still get paid. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's one of the jokes that always floats around on the internet. But uh, it's... It's something that um, I didn't initially go to school for. When I first went to college, uh, I thought that I would be like a sports broadcaster. And I went through the motions, and I was nearing the, nearing the end of my degree when I realized I, I may be good at this, but I really don't like it at all. And I was just bored stiff. But I, I realized that I was uh, fascinated by severe weather and, and tornadoes and things like that. So I went back to school for that. And I just I'd, I'd been an active reader my entire life, but I never seriously got the writing bug until I became an adult. And, you know, maybe it was just, you know, a mid 40s, uh, midlife crisis type deal or something. But I needed to to do something creatively with my life uh, and step step out of my comfort zone, so to speak. And I decided to to write. And I'd read a few books in in the, you know those last few years that um, inspired me greatly. They just like you know uh, they made me want to write, um, made me want to create as well. And I just started to get into uh, to writing. And uh, I actually began as a as a horror writer. And I produced about a dozen novels, um, and it just wasn't happening for me. It wasn't getting anywhere. Um, I, I switched to thrillers, and it was like uh, the light bulb just went off. Um, I had a, a larger uh, reader base, and um, I, I think that I just 
I was more attuned to writing thrillers. It, it seemed to be more in my wheelhouse somehow. And I think that uh, the readers sense that in the books and it just made for better books and it kind of snowballed into my success. There is some some little similarities between the uh, between a horror and a thriller. What do you think is the main difference between the two? I think the thriller doesn't go quite as far as the horror. With the books that I like to write, um, I tend to straddle a lot between thriller and horror the kind of the way like a thomas harris does mm. or uh, a tr reagan does uh so you know I, I so i'd say a psychological or serial killer thriller you'll still get the killer in the background um you know killing people in all sorts of gruesome ways but you may not get that full uh screen picture of of the gore as it's taking place and it's also more likely that you'll see the story take place from a different perspective. So with like a, um, a horror movie, and I'm getting pretty cliched here, but, uh, you know, uh, Michael Myers is, is stalking uh, 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 Laurie Strode. So you see everything from the point of view of, of the baby, babysitters or the victims. In the case of a psychological or serial killer thriller, you're often the detective and you're trying to catch Michael Myers. Um, so it ends up being a little bit different twist um, and a little bit um, it, it I think it activates uh, you know the mystery aspect of of it for for readers and gets them more involved in the plot. And so how would you describe your books for the listeners who might not be familiar with your work? Yes, yeah, so again, I think they're they're very close to uh, that that line between uh, thriller and horror. Um, i I tend to call them psychological thrillers, not everything that I write uh, in uh, does include a serial killer, although I think the vast majority do. Um, I also write um, a very uh, high-tension, action-flowing, page-turning style. I don't like to leave any room for people to breathe. Um, so, you know, I, I feel like I write the way that I like to read. Um, I don't like the slow parts. Um, I don't like the boring stuff. I mean, sometimes it's really good for character development. But for the most part, I want to keep that that story flowing, whether I'm a reader or a writer. Um, so I just try to keep the tension high. And I, I try to make it so that my readers, if, if things are tense, they, they feel like they just can't escape. Um, this is going to be surrounding them until they, they uh, shut down the Kindle or close the book. And your latest book is that uh, "Find Her Before Dark"? Is that the, the, your latest, or? Yeah, and, and, and by the time that uh, this airs, I think we'll also have uh, uh, "Don't Breathe," which is book six in the Darkwater Cove series. That will be out too, and that should wrap up the series. Okay, cool. And then, uh, how do you how do you come up with the dark the the Darkwater Cove series idea? How did it all come into place for you, and how has been the journey through these uh, five six books? Boy, that's really hard to say. I think I was reading a lot of. Um, I mentioned her already, T.R. Reagan mm, I love and, and her. Vargas, and yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I love those writers. And as I was reading them, uh, you know, some storylines started to fall into place for me. And I had this this vision of this uh, uh, profiler with the FBI's behavioral analysis unit, and uh, I I I kind of played a little what if game in in my mind. You know, what if um, this uh, analysis person was hunting uh like a legendary killer and this killer kind of saw her as the one person who could catch him and therefore the hunter uh became the hunted and so at this point uh the, the killer at the beginning of book one 
has laid a trap for for uh, Darcy Geller, who's the FBI's uh, analysis uh, person uh, profiler, and he lures her into this house, stabs her. She manages to fire a gun and wound him, and he ends up in uh, a federal penitentiary, serving a life sentence uh, for all the you know the brutal murders uh, that he did. Um, and at that point, it, it seems like, OK, that's a weird way for book one to start. Where's this going to go? She decides that, um, you know, this is torn her life apart. Um, she's she decides that she cannot serve uh, with the FBI anymore. She wants to put her life together. She takes her family and she moves to kind of like the anti-Washington, D.C. or anti-Quantico. They, they go to this quaint little village um, on the North Carolina coast called Genoa Cove. Uh, and it has a nickname, which they call Darkwater Cove, just uh, is based on, on how dark the cove gets uh, because of the cliffs which, which face it. Um, and once she gets there, we start to see that all of these things that have happened to her up to this point have played a role in tearing her down. She's she's abusing anti-anxiety meds. Um, she's also has a second addiction, and that is to check the criminal database every single day, because she has this paranoia that the next time she looks, she'll find that this killer has escaped or that he's not in the system anymore. They let him out. So she she just has this constant paranoia, and I tried to make it a bit like a like a Hitchcock. Uh, uh, style uh, where you you always feel this dread that you know that there's something wrong in the background um, and then you know as she's there uh, a dead body surfaces on the coast and the evidence seems to point towards uh, this killer that she put away and she contacts the FBI her contacts tell her uh, no he's still behind bars and then another victim shows up and it it all seems to keep pointing to the same person having done it and that's kind of where the story takes off so that's like, you know, you get all that in like the first couple chapters and then boom, it just it starts to hit you with with attention after that. Yeah. And I read I read that your first book it, uh, is a very uh, I like the atmosphere that you set for her, like the paranoia and like, you know, yeah, like it's, it was in her head. Or is it real? And no, it's, it was a very enjoyable uh, a thriller. Seal killer thrillers are, are my favorite type of subgenre. So. <laughs> yeah, me too. I mean, it's such a treat to write them. They're, they're a lot of fun. Yeah. And I, did you, I was wondering too. I was asked uh, when uh, when male authors writing female protagonists, do you find it a challenge to write for Darcy? Were you worried about that or <laughs> the, the dumb you know, question? Probably. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I kind of did it uh, already in in my previous series, the Scarlet Bell series, oh. which was which was kind of a a criminal minds meets uh, Hannibal Lecter meets Jason Bourne type scenario. It was, it was a real mishmash that, that, that people really dug. But I wrote things from, from the standpoint of Scarlet Bell. And I had wondered, could I do it? Um, and I had a couple female protagonists uh, when I wrote horror. Um, and I, I felt pretty confident that I could handle Darcy's character. Um, I, you know, I went through a lot of things when I was young, uh, with anxiety and whatnot. And, and I, I, I felt like I could instill some of the things that, that I went through with her that, you know, things across gender, um, things that, you know, all humans deal with. And, you know, I wanted to keep her humid. I didn't want her to make her, make her a superhero. Um, and, and, and I think once I did that and realized that, you know, we had some things in common, she became uh, quite easy to write for. Uh, but on the other hand, I'm planning a, a next series, which is going to have uh, 
uh, multiple uh, protagonists, which we'll switch between, but but a few of them are male. And um, as I've started to think of themes, I'm, I'm actually really um, uh, loving it because it, I feel like I can, I can relate a little bit more. So what's your process like then, like your writing process from the time you get the idea, do you start writing it and publishing it? I tend to, to uh, subscribe to efficiency as much as I possibly can. <laughs> and, you know, the, the amount of books I I've, have written over the last two years, uh, sometimes it, I have to, like, stop and think, wow, I, I really have done that. Uh, where, where is my life going? <laughs> Actually, yeah, I, just, I just feel it's a process, a daily process, whereas every day I need to put in what I consider – uh, business time into into this um, into this investment, and that means I am still working full time. Um, I have a family. I have I have a wife and two kids. Um, we have three dogs. I'm surprised they're not barking at the moment, but they will. Uh, so I have a lot of outside interests as well, and and there's only so much time I have in the day for writing. Um, so a lot of people may give up at that point, but but what I did was I said, okay, what I want to do is I want to I want to devote an hour and 15 minutes every single day. Uh, it's just a lot of uh, trial and error went into coming up with that number, but I found that um, I could I could fit that in even on a busy day. I could fit in an hour and 15 minutes. And then it became a matter of how fast can I write in an hour and 15 minutes? So I, I, I read a lot about uh, you know writing fast and getting your thoughts out quickly and, and staying as uh, organized as you possibly can when you sit down to write. Um, and I, I got to the point where I could easily knock out about 1,200 words in an hour. Um, I've since gone a little bit above that. So hour and 15 minutes, I'm knocking out 1,750, 1,850 words per day. Uh, and when I'm not writing, uh, you know, after I, I finish my manuscripts, then at that point, if I'm not editing, I'm planning. And I'll put in the same amount of time every single day. Um, so I'll sit down and I'll think uh, think about the next book which I'm going to write, and I'll I'll make little notes of of things. Well, it would be really neat if this happened, or you know, what what if this happened? That might be kind of scary. That or that might be very tense. I mean, I'll just make little notes like that, and um, and then I'll start to plan out the the book from there. Well, that's awesome. I didn't realize you were still doing the you're still doing the um, meteorology uh, meteorologist Absolutely. job. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I really do love my job. It, it, it kills me sometimes with the hours, uh, but I'm not that far from retirement, so I'm probably going to stick it out. And then once I retire, I, I may write a lot more. So yeah, that's, yeah, that's cool. You got two cool jobs: meteorologist and uh, thriller writer. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talk about burning the candle at both ends. Yeah. So did you? Always, you said before you you uh, you enjoyed writing. Did you uh, reading uh, as when you were younger? Were, were you a fan of thrillers and horrors and, and those type of books? Yeah, I, I grew up with, you know, the most famous horror writer of all time, who I actually consider to be somewhat of a thriller writer as well, um, Stephen King. Uh, so, I mean, even when I was uh, 10, 11, 12, 12 years old, I, I remember I had an aunt who lived next door who, who loved horror and loved Stephen King. So she would let me borrow the paperbacks. So I would, you know, most kids, you know, doing whatever, I, I, I would I would kind of sneak off with uh, The Shining from mm -hmm. Salem's Lot or something like that, something really creepy. And some of those books, I, I found it very hard to get through um, because they were that scary. Um, and and but I, I I really was moved by 
the way people could create worlds. And I think that's probably what, what fascinated me most about what he did. And then eventually encountering the stand in, in books like that um, just really made me think um, and, and want to create in that way someday. I also love to read fantasy. I, I don't think I would ever write fantasy, but I love to read it. And uh, a gentleman named uh, Patrick Rothfuss, who, who wrote the King, uh, King Killer uh, Chronicles, um, his first two books were just so brilliant that, um, and I was so moved by them that I, I decided that I really do need to, to give this writing thing a try. Um, so I, I credit him a great, a great deal with, um, getting me to, to finally start to write. I'm also wondering too, cause, and you, you probably get this a lot and I hate <laughs> you bring it up but I have to ask you because I was doing my research about you for the interview and you have a very uh, famous dad of course Ronnie James Deal loved him yeah. uh, growing up kid of, a child of the 80s so you know <laughs> did, and, and being the man that he's kind of uh, credited with with inventing the uh, the devil horn signs <laughs> did, did that environment at all inspire you to write horror or no that's just different music and writing <laughs> I think that um, in general, wanting to be a creative probably comes from my father. Uh, I I was never, um, I, well, I shouldn't say I, I was never a musician. I played in various bands as as youth, and I still love music to this day, and you know, especially really hard stuff. Uh, but I just never had the talent to to either sing or to play guitar, or, or to be an expert drummer. So I, I was kind of always felt like I'd be on the outside looking in. I'd always be kind of a mediocre musician if I ever went went that route. Um, but it didn't uh, stop me from wanting to create. Um, so I, I think that he, yeah, he played a role as far as um, you know, making me want to create uh, in some some way. Um, I regret the fact that he passed ten years ago. Um, and I didn't start writing until 2014, um, so he never got to to, uh, to see me, um, you know, hit this point as a writer. Um, I think he really would have gotten a kick out of it, and I would have loved for him to be, you know, one of my first readers. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, same thing with my my dad was always encouraged me on my writing. Uh, he passed in 2005, like 10 years before I wrote anything. So yeah, I get I, I get that too. It's like oh, I wish he was <laughs> he would get such a kick out of it. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, you're working on several series, and you've and you you have uh, other series out. And do you usually work on one at a time, or do you like juggle different projects at one time? I'm just kind of curious about that. When you have, with authors that have multiple series out, I do work on on one series at a time. I'm rethinking that for the future because sometimes you get so engrossed with this world that you need a break from it. <laughs> Um, and I, I really started to feel that towards the end of, of this uh, Darkwater Cove, uh, Darcy Geller series, where uh, I, I still am very proud of book six, which I just pretty much finished the manuscript on uh, two days ago. Um, I, I really think that that's going to turn out to be um, a, a good one and a, a great way for the series to go out. Uh, but I could also feel, too, that I've just been in this world a little bit too long and I think that I need to move on. Uh, but it also could be, too, that the Darkwater Cove series is is based um, around that, you know, like that first book, that that incredible tension, uh, you know, this this uh, this unknown killer tracking her in the shadows. And you can only do that so many times. 
So the first couple books are, are very much along that vein as, as she's trying to figure out, you know, who, who's this person who's trying to kill her. But as you get into the later books, she's more uh, um, she's back to, you know, being the profiler again. And um, we're, we're, we're kind of like changing the plot line a little bit. So, you know, the next series, which I write, is going to be more of a, a like a rural, small town, rural uh, story taken from uh, the, the viewpoint of um, a sheriff's deputy. Um, and he's he's very talented. He's, he's going to be uh, somebody who's kind of um, taking a, a job just to kind of come back home and get his life back together as well. Uh, and I think that that one has a lot more legs because it's not like the same slash and stalk uh, type storyline. Um, you know, you try to get it to, to book six and it gets difficult, but you can always come up with a new mystery. And I think that uh, this one may have more legs and may be able to go farther. Um, but it wouldn't be a bad idea, though, to try to do two series at once, maybe put out a book or two and then take a break, put out a book or two of the other one and just kind of give yourself that that little um, uh, uh, shot of creative juices again. That new series sounds sounds like a lot of fun. That's uh, one of my favorite uh, writers is John Sanford. I don't know if you've read him. He does a small uh, cop in Minnesota. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah his uh, yeah uh, his first uh, Prey, Prey series yeah. book, I mean, just really blew me away and and that uh that was a bit of a uh inspiration for for the first scarlet bell book um i really love that that hard-boiled hard-edged approach that he has he's definitely a favorite writer of mine and so i always ask a guest about the tools of the trade uh what do you use to write to use word or scrivener or something else it's scrivener yeah. and and the only reason it's scrivener uh, Scrivener could do amazing things as far as like tracking characters and whatnot. I don't use any of that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't want to get into it. All I want to do is I just I, I want to have like a doc inside inside of my Scrivener uh, project where I make some notes about characters and whatnot, and, and then I just kind of refer to that doc whenever I need to. I, I I have not done cards for each individual character or each individual town. I just can't be bothered with that much. Um, I, I, the main reason I went to Scrivener is because Word and and uh, the the copycat type programs out there tend to leave uh, little extra characters in there, mm-hmm. um, you know, little little character codes that we don't see, but they're for the program's benefit and their documents pro uh, benefit, and that can play havoc when you're trying to create like a, a Kindle file, and some of this stuff will start showing up. I think that it's less of a problem now. Um, but also when I when I first wrote uh, uh, Storberry, which was the first book I, I wrote, which is basically a, a love story to Salem's Lot, uh, it um, I, I hit the point where when I was trying to make a Kindle file out of it, that I just couldn't figure it out. I mean, I was going to so many different websites and trying to find this plugin and that plugin, and finally somebody just said, "You ever try Scrivener? <laughs> Is it, you know, you just you just download the Mobi uh, plugin and 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 you create a Kindle file right out of that." And I was like, "Oh, okay." So you know, the very next day, I, I got Scrivener, and I, I was like, "Wow, I made a Kindle file in in like a minute after spending the last <laughs> week trying to make one in Word." So you know, you know, why would I ever go back? So I just started from there, and um, I never went back. Although now I, I would like to uh, get my hands on like a cheap Mac, and uh, get the Vellum program, which you know everybody raves about for creating uh, Kindle files and print books and whatnot. 
Um, so that may be the next step. Yeah, I'm a I'm a vellum uh, convert too. It's it's amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I love what you, I love what you said that because I hear a lot in the forums, the writing forums and stuff, that people always uh, get overwhelmed with Scrivener, and it's like just grab two or three things. You don't have to use them all. You know, it's like. <laughs> yeah, you really don't. Uh, you know, I think it's great for people, especially for like screenwriters. You know, need to keep track of all these different characters and all these different backgrounds. Um, so I'm I'm all in favor in, in using it if you want to. Um, and you should have some type of character uh, uh, data sheets. Um, I prefer just to have them all in one one little doc file that I could look at real quickly. Just compare characters and, you know, make little notes as I go along. Well, maybe this should have happened in their background as well. Um, <laughs> in the last book or, the, or this last series, I, I know that I, I messed myself up twice by uh, giving the character a uh, blonde hair when he was supposed to have dark hair. So, oh, <laughs> you know, and he, been you know, done thank that. God for my beta readers for catching stuff like that. Cause it's like, well, maybe he dyed it. I don't know. Kids <laughs> <laughs> do anything these days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's pretty cool up to it. And I was, when I was, um, uh, doing my research for before the interview, I was at your website and I saw you posted your um, your your big believer on the beats. Can you explain that a little bit? And I thought that was really cool. You had a, a, a picture on your website about your your I don't want to call it an outline, but can you tell us about that? Yeah. So story beats are are kind of considered to be uh, a waypoint in between pantsing and and strict outlining. If you ask me to write a strict outline right now, I couldn't do it. The, I, I have not written a strict outline since um, I was required to do so in 11th grade English. <laughs> so I think once I passed that test, I forgot how to write an outline. <laughs> so I would have to look it up. Um, and I just don't want to get that involved. I don't want my story to be that fleshed out to the point where I basically have nothing to write except for the words. Um, that, that to me would be very boring. On the other hand... I don't think I've ever experienced true writer's block. And what I consider writer's block to be is fear um, rather than a lack of creativity. Um, and you, you do face fear every day as a writer. You sit down and you see, you see this blank page or this blank screen and you realize I'm going to be at this for the next hour and a half, hour, 15 minutes in my case. And you damn well better come up with some ideas. It's a little scary. Um, and so there were long periods of time when I was pantsing where I would go without writing, uh, whether it be a week, a month, a couple months. And that, that is, it's almost like, you know, falling off the wagon as an alcoholic. I mean, once you stop writing, um, you know, things just fall apart from there and it's hard to get back on that horse and, and write again. I decided that I needed something, um, not only to keep me writing every day, but also to give me structure so that I can knock out words quickly. And story beats, the way I use them, is basically a couple sentences to describe every chapter that I see it as I, as I outline, that, outline that book, again, using outline and quotes. Um, so, you know, it may be something as simple as um, uh, first, first girl dies, uh, serial killer in the woods, um, and it's, you know, second is, you know, uh, police discover body. Here's your first clue, you know, as who, as who the killer is. Um, and, and also, um, the reason that I decided that I couldn't pants as, as a thriller writer is because unlike horror thrillers have 
have a very strong mystery aspect to them. Now, there's certainly not like a tightly woven mystery usually, uh, but there is a lot of whodunit, which goes on in, in thrillers. And it's just hard for me to plan out, you know, you know, try to keep my, my readers off balance and also, um, you know, come up with, with the different clues ahead of time as to, you know, how do we know that this was the person who did it? Or at least how can we rule out these other people as we go along um, and, you know, process of elimination that way, figure out who the killer is. Uh, and I just I'm not talented enough to do that as a pantser. So I need somewhat of a a roadmap. I think that's the best way to look at it. It's a roadmap. And uh, believe it or not, it takes a long time to do these story beats, even though it's just a, a couple sentence, sentences per chapter. Uh, so I, when I'm not writing and I'm in the planning stage, I can usually do about seven or eight of these chapters per day. And a lot of the rest of the time, I'm just researching and thinking, and you know, you know, how how could I get to this point without you know first getting to this point? Um, so it's a lot of pre-planning, and I think if I didn't do it, my books wouldn't be nearly as good. But if I was a strict outliner too and didn't have any pantsing going on at all, um, and took away all that creative flair, um, I think my books would get kind of boring too. They would be very plausible, but also very boring. That, that's fascinating. And, and that's interesting because I've interviewed a lot of authors over the years. And no matter what level they're at, everyone's got that fear and the, oh, can I do this again? And they're going to take it all away from me. So so that's normal mm-hmm. for the listen, aspiring writers who are listening to this. <laughs> and it, I, I always wanted to be a pantser because the people who I respect most in this industry, people like uh, Stephen King and oh, yeah. Dean Koontz, you know, and I just I, I love Koontz. I love everything that he writes. And by the way, he's a thriller writer. He's not a horror writer. Mm-hmm. He's I always <laughs> listed as like he's listed as like that number two horror writer yeah. to, to King. And I'm like, no, he's a thriller writer. He wrote some horror, but he's a thriller writer. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, he's just so talented. So anytime he like does an interview where he, he talks about his process, um, I check it out. And, and I know that he pantses. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also know that um he 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 does little tricks that um, I've I've taken on too. Like um, he'll he'll write during the morning, and then to be efficient, he'll come back and he'll edit it in the evening, and uh, you know tighten up the prose and whatnot. Because he doesn't want to get to the end of the book, and then see this mountain of editing ahead of yeah. him. You know, he likes to know when chapter one is done. No, it's really done. You know, it's, it's and I did that for the first time with this with this series, the Starkwater Cove series, and I loved the results. Uh, you know, edit it later uh, in the day, or you know, at the very least, edit it the next day and do two chapters at once. And then when you finish that manuscript, you're really done. That's really a great feeling. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's something that I I, I try to that I struggle with because yeah, when I'm finished the first draft, then I got this mess that I have to go back and fix. So. <laughs> Exactly. Gotta, gotta, <laughs> trying to trying to trying to stop doing that. <laughs> and it's always a mess. No matter how long you've yeah. been doing this, and no matter how many books you sell, it's always a mess after that first chapter gets written. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and you mentioned before, like with the formatting and everything, and that's I think that's so cool of uh, of of indie uh, writers like yourself. And I mean, we wear a lot of hats, um, and I know that a lot of people, a lot of indie authors, struggle with that. Any advice for for uh, for, for a writer trying to figure out the I mean, there's like marketing and Facebook ads and blah, blah, blah. It just goes on and on. <laughs> yeah. Again, you know, I, for me, it's efficiency. Um, you know, I keep going back to that. 
Um, have a plan for you know when you're going to write and make sure that that is your priority. You get the words done. You will at some point need to wear those other hats with uh, with marketing, uh, but don't let it overwhelm you. Um, a certain amount of marketing, I think, is required for, for everybody and especially for an unknown author, whether they're they're traditionally published or they're indie uh, like I am. Chances are nobody knows your name outside of a small circle. You know, I sell a lot of books these days and I guarantee you I could walk down the street and nobody's heard of me. You know, so it's it's really easy to stay under the radar as as a reader or as a writer. It also means, though, that there's this huge untapped market, which is always out there waiting for you as well. Um, so but never think that everybody already knows you um, and that your work just isn't good enough. You need to get your books in front of the right eyes. Uh, so so do do a lot of market research. You know, who do you write most like, you know, uh, who who would uh, fans of, of author A, you know, would they dig you or would they dig some other writer? And if you if you think that there's a match there with you, then try to brainstorm ways to attract those readers. Um, you're not taking uh, readers away because, you know, we can only write so many books in a year anyway. There's plenty of of readers to go around and 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 plenty of uh you know books to read um so uh but you know think about like you know are, can you market directly towards them on facebook um are, are there fan groups that you can that you can market to uh with with amazon ads you can market directly to author names you can uh market directly even to like asins and, and uh, isbn numbers i mean it's pretty amazing you can get very granular so if you think that um like in my case, um, if, if I come up to to believe that uh, I think a lot of people who read Salem's Lot would really like my my Storberry vampire novel, then I can I can target that book directly. Um, so, you know, and just do that. Um, but don't overwhelm overwhelm yourself with it. Come up with like a set amount of time you want to work on this per week. And, you know, try not to go over that because you can just get bogged down in all this advertising stuff. And it it quickly gets to be not that fun, uh, whereas writing, you know, that's that's what that's what, uh, you know, the next book sells sells the previous book. And that's, that's the old adage. And I, I think that that's that is true. Uh, but you still do need to find those those initial readers. If, uh, you know, if you're like 99 percent of us and people just outside of the small niche haven't heard of us. Yeah, I think that's great advice too, and I, and I know especially with traditionally, even traditionally published uh, writers, like you said, um, most of them are get very uh, small advances, so they don't get a lot of marketing support. So it really is up to them, and the publisher expects them to market it themselves. So yeah, you can't. I think the unless you get a really huge contract or something, the days of oh, I just want to write, it's kind of, those are days are gone. I think. Uh, I mean, even Stephen King still goes out and markets after he finishes a book. So. <laughs> Somebody, I can't even remember what what uh, article I read this in, but somebody had had done the math and discovered that uh, J.K. Rowling has only reached eight percent of potential readers. Wow, <laughs> so that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, you know, she's she's vastly underperforming. She could she could like. 
12 times, you know, her sales, you know, if she just got on that, that advertising bandwagon. Oh, yeah. She's, such <laughs> a, so, she's so lazy. She's, uh, yeah, so she, she could be worth $2 billion instead of one. <laughs> she just put some effort into it. Yeah, I'm sure you could play the same games with, you know, King and Koontz and everybody, you know. But it does show, though, that there's just so many readers out there and we can't write enough books to keep up. Uh, somebody told me in, in, a, in, a, in a review the other day, hey, I read um, – I read the first three books in the Darkwater Cove series in two nights, and now wow. I'm starting book four. When is book five coming out? And I'm, <laughs> wow. Thank you, number one. That's great. <laughs> but um, I can't write as fast as you can read. So, yeah, <laughs> so the, here's my friend here. So why, don't, why don't you try you know, one of their books as well? <laughs> yeah, the reader expectations, they've gotten very impatient now of wanting you know, more and more. <laughs> But they're the best, though. Yeah. Uh, we 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 call them uh, whale readers. Uh, that's kind of like the little uh, industry term amongst the indies. Um, these are people who um, they love a series, and not only do they love a series, but um, they they uh, a lot of them are Kindle Unlimited readers. Mm-hmm. So you won't even see the sale; you'll just see the page reads, you know, growing and growing day after day. Um, and you know, these people will sit down if you have a six or 10 book series, they will read it straight through and they don't even blink and they'll be done with it. Like in a, you know, a couple weeks or a couple months and then, uh, they're on to your next stuff or they're on to somebody else. So keep writing. Yeah. <laughs> Are you worried that you're going to get the, uh, the people are going to be upset that you're ending the, uh, the dark water cove, uh, series or. <laughs> Yeah, some might be. I mean, I still have people who are asking me, you know, when's the next Scarlet Bell coming out? <laughs> <So> <laughs> yeah, I, <got> <laughs> I, th- I think there's probably a better chance that I could write another Scarlet Bell because those, again, they're kind of like a Criminal Minds type uh, mm-hmm. episodic uh, setup so that I could probably work on that and, and come up with, you know, five different scenarios for them to uh, new adventures for them to go through. Darkwater Cove, though, I, I think that it played itself out and um, I don't. I don't want to go back down there quite yet, but I do love that that slash stock tension, mm-hmm. and um, I know that I'll write something like that again someday. Cool. And what a non-writing question because I saw on your website that you've actually chased hurricanes. It's never met anybody that's uh, done that. What's that like? <laughs> Tornadoes, actually. Tornadoes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, like the movie, uh, like again, Twister. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was again. That's um. That was what fascinated me to get into meteorology was, uh, you know, when I was very young, uh, I saw the Wizard of Oz. And the first time I saw a a tornado, I was just, am I really going to say blown away? (laughs) Yeah, I guess I am. So anyway, after after seeing that, I was absolutely fascinated by there could be something that frightening and that destructive in nature. And, of course, the way that uh, the Wizard of Oz did it, you know, being Hollywood and whatnot – they just made it look like the apocalypse, you know, it's just black everywhere and it looks like it's night in the middle of the day. And in, in real tornadoes, a lot of times when the tornado is coming, it's, it's actually light behind the storm uh, because the tornadoes tend to form at the southwest corner of a storm. Uh, so uh, once I started to read about tornadoes, um, I just got more and more fascinated by them and I realized that um, I'll, I'll never get over this until I finally see one for myself. Uh, and in order to see a tornado for yourself, you have two choices. You can sit around and wait for one to hit your uh, neighborhood, which is not a good a good plan. Or you can uh, go out to the you know Oklahoma or Texas or something and spend a spring and just and follow them around and try to forecast where the next one is going to be. 
So that's what we did. Uh, me and a couple other meteorologists, we, we went out to uh, Texas and Oklahoma and Kansas and just chased tornadoes for the better part of seven or eight days. And uh, it was great. I mean, seeing tornadoes pretty up close was was crazy and frightening at times. But um, the adrenaline rush was was really intense, too. Um, and once I did it, I was I was like, yeah, I'd like to do it again, but I don't need to do it again. And uh, that that's a big difference. I really needed to do it the first time. And now I think I would just kind of want to do it again. That sounds awesome. Well, not, well, I don't want to do it, but it sounds awesome. <laughs> I don't blame you. Most people don't want to do it. <laughs> um, so uh, where can readers find you? Your website is probably the best uh, place to get started. Yeah, either uh, to go to uh, danpadavona.com, uh, which is spelled uh, P-A-D-A-V-O-N-A. Or uh, just search my name, uh, Dan Padovana, on on uh, Amazon and uh, click on my uh, author profile and you'll see all my books. Okay, and find her before dark is I'm out now. I'm also on Goodreads, too. Oh, so. Goodreads, okay, yeah. Yeah, find it. Yep, yep, and uh, Don't Breathe is, is uh, should be out by the time that this airs as well. So that will conclude the whole Darkwater Cove series. You can, you can get all six books if you if you dig it. You can read right through. Uh, but yeah, I'm also on Goodreads, too. I I probably should mention that because that that to me is I don't even treat it like, hey, I'm a writer and anything like I don't I don't think anybody on there really knows that I'm a writer, like in the groups that I'm part of. Mm. I'm just a huge thriller uh, reader fan and fantasy reader fan. So if you want to act, you know, interact with me and just talk about your favorite books, you know, look for me on Goodreads. Um, I'm always there, you know, talking about my favorite books. It's, it's just a great place to hang out as, as a reader. It's such an antiquated website, but the people there just make it great. <laughs> yeah, it's like Amazon forgot about them after they bought them, I think. <laughs> they really did. They really. I hear that they're, they're planning a big facelift, but they really need to. Yeah. It is is great, though. It's a great place to hang out. Yeah. All right, Dan. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really uh, enjoyed talking to you about your work and thrillers and horror. It's, uh, it was a lot of fun. Thank you, Alan. Appreciate you having me on. Thanks for listening to the Meet the Thriller Author podcast. Be sure to visit thrillerauthors.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover great thrilling reads. If you enjoy the podcast, I'd love for you to subscribe, uh, rate, and give a review uh, to it, wherever it is that you're listening to this uh, podcast, be it uh, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, uh, wherever it is that you're uh, listening to this right now, I would appreciate it. And uh, please do check out my own thriller novels over at my website at alanpeterson.com. Until next time.